Well, t- today I want to uh, I want to uh, want to introduce somebody to you uh, that I have gotten to know. This is as I've been sharing with you over the past few weeks, um, and uh, and and obviously twenty over twenty years ago, uh, uh, Pathways uh, was started. And, uh, and I'll let Dustin tell you a little bit more about that. And uh, yeah, absolutely. And, uh, and our church was part of that, helping that uh, get started. And uh, today it's Mission City. And so I've been sharing with you a couple of things. Uh, Dustin has, we've been talking now for about six months and uh, spending time together and just taking a look at what is it that would God have us to do? You know, we pray sometimes. There was a great song that Lynette sang last night. That said, Lord, it's not, it's, God, it's, it's not so important as to, is to pray for what I want. Lord, it's, it's to pray for what you want. And that is the key to everything. And uh, because it's so easy for us to fall with our culture to find out, okay, Lord, what do we think? What do we think here? What do we think there? So, so it's an exciting thing. So a few weeks ago, um, Dustin asked me to come share over, over there at Mission Study, and I did. And it went fantastic. I had a great time there. And so, so uh, if, as we continue to walk about with some of these possibilities and, and distinctiveness, uh, I thought, I thought it would be a great idea to have Dustin come and share with you. So, uh, so he's going to come uh, share with you. And, uh, but it's, a, it's an exciting thing. It's an exciting time. And I didn't even know uh, until last night at Country Church when he showed up, I didn't even know he had a collared shirt because uh, I've never seen him in a collared shirt. And so, uh, so anyway, but uh, he's from this area, grew up in this area, and I've asked him to share with you a little bit about you, but he's got an incredible, an incredible, incredible biblical message that you and I, of course, I've already heard it twice, that you and I need to hear. I want you to hear the message that he has to share with you, what God's laid on his heart, because, because this is indeed powerful. So, uh, so anyway, so it's good. Again, this is exciting things uh, as we're continuing to walk in to see. But I'd like for you uh, to give a great uh, Indian Rocks welcome uh, to Dustin Lachance as he comes and shares with you guys today. All right. Oh, man. It, it is such a privilege to be here. Um, my name is Dustin. I'm from Mission City Church. Uh, formerly known as Pathways, and I actually, this service, there's someone special in the room. Um, not my wife, she is special, but she's in the room also. Um, but my father-in-law, Pastor Bill, he started the church 21 years ago. He's here. Pastor Bill, will you stand just for a moment? Yeah, he loves this. He loves this. He, um, Charlie Martin and him uh, talked about planting a church, and Charlie and him came together, and a lot of you in this church have helped uh, get the start off that. And if you guys didn't do that, I wouldn't be up here right now. Um, getting to share this message with you. This is a, such an honor, though, to stand on this stage. I, I think about how many people have been on this stage and have preached on this stage, and I think, man, I get to stand on the stage where Charlie Martin stood. I get to stand on the stage where Louis Giglio preached. But the one that I really, really, really do honor, and um, I, I, I'm just not saying this because I'm saying it, just because I'm here today. I've got to know your pastor, and don't clap here because I'm going to ask you to clap here in a moment, but I got to know your pastor um, for the past six months, and you guys may not have the opportunity to get to know who he really is, but I'll tell you, who he is on this stage is who he is out in the public. He has the most incredible family. His wife makes the best salsa ever, homemade salsa, the best salsa I've ever tasted in my life. She does it, so ask her for that later on. But honestly, he is just so real. He's so authentic. I trust him. I look at him as my pastor. He's just the, the, 
authenticity just comes across. And he's humble. That, that, that's what you want from a pastor. You want a pastor that's obedient to God's word. You want a pastor that will follow the leading of Jesus and not have his own agenda, but all about for Christ. Not about a church about his name, but it's all about Christ. I mean, this, it's all about him. And it has nothing to do about Jeff Parrish. And that's why you guys are so, so blessed that you get to sit underneath a leader, a shepherd, that preaches the word of God each and every week and does not come from his own thoughts or his own knowledge, but straight from the word of God. That is a blessing. And you guys are truly blessed that you get to sit underneath a leader like that. Give him a big hug and a kiss later. He's an introvert, so he loves that kind of stuff. So... He loves that kind of stuff. Hey, but um, my name is Dustin, and I have an amazing family. I'd love to show you a picture of my family, if that's okay with you guys. I'm a very interactive kind of pastor, so I like hand-raising, amens, uh-huhs, and all that kind of stuff. But this is my family. Um, the, one to the, uh, to the one to the far left is Riley. She's two and a half years old. That's me with the chubby neck. Um, that's my 13-year-old son. He looks just like my wife and I. Not really. We adopted him. Um, his name is Ismar. And we literally went from raising two little girls from one night, and then a month ago we said, well, that's a great idea. Let's go ahead and raise a 13-year-old. So we went from raising toddlers to a 13-year-old. And if you've had kids, you know what I mean, how crazy that is. So pray for us. And then the little one right there, her name is London. She's seven months old. And the one on the far right, she is, I'm not going to say the age. I'm not going to do that to you. I love my wife too much. Um, but the other day, you know, you know these songs that we sing here in church, like, God, I need you, Lord, I need you, or God, I'll do whatever you want me to do. I'll follow your ways. I'll be obedient to whatever you ask me to do. And that's fun to sing, and sometimes that's really easy to sing, but when God actually asks you to do something or he presents something to you, that's when we have to put, we have to get out of the boat and actually walk. It's easy to be like, God, I want to walk on water. Call me if it's you. Oh, God, you really want me to walk? <laughs> That's scary. Well, uh, we got a phone call the other day. Ismar, a little 13-year-old boy, we got a phone call from his social worker um, saying his mother, Ismar's been in foster care for five years, and they said um, his mother just had a baby. And they asked us, and they said, will you take the baby? Seven-week-old baby. Her name is Harper. Um, we have a seven-month-old, if you didn't get that, and a two-and-a-half-year-old, so we have a little tiny um, daycare at our house. It's, it's crazy, but uh, we are saying, God, if this is what you want, this is what we do. That's my job as a follower of Jesus, just to be obedient to what he wants, and it's not about me, and it's all about him. That's right. Amen? Amen. So Pastor Jeff asked me if I would share a little bit of who I, who I am a little bit, and I'm just going to show you a little quick testimony of who I am. But have you guys ever been to the Judgment House at Calvary Baptist Church? They, they had this Judgment House around Halloween. They, they do this, um, this play that they put on every October. And what it is is that it's a live action play, and you walk into in these rooms, and um, there's people acting out each scene of the play, and you're in these little classrooms around campus of their church there. And you walk into each room, and this year that I went, when I was 13 years old, I went to this one, and I showed up there. But here's the thing. I was a 13-year-old. I was very chunky, and I had a hat on because I had a really bad haircut, so I gave myself my own haircut. So I always wore a hat all the time. You never could tell me to take my hat off. If you did, I would just put it right back on. Well, this, the, the, the play was this. A boy and girl were going to their high school prom, and as they were going to their high school prom, uh, they would get into a car accident on the way to the, 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 the prom. 
they would both die. One would go to heaven, one would go through hell. And you would walk through their life story. You'd walk with them as one of them goes to heaven and one of them goes to hell. And we were with them and we were walking with them. And I walk into the room and I have my hat on. Well, the lady that was leading our group said to me, boy, <laughs> take your hat off. And I was like, okay. So I took it off and she turned around. I put my hat back on. So we walk out of that room. She says, boy, take your hat off as we walk into another room. So I walk into that room. I take my hat off. I put it back on. I continue to keep doing this until eventually she said, I'm not going to tell this boy anymore. Leave your dang hat on. Just go with that. So we're walking down these hallways. We walk into the judgment, and then we follow the boy that goes into heaven. And it's awesome. It's literally like these pictures that we have of Jesus, like clean shave, beautiful eyes, you know, manicured hair with, you know, curled his hair and everything, like white as the robe, all these, these pictures that we have of Jesus. That's what it was. And he looks at you and you're like, this is awesome. This is where I want to be. Well, the boy goes to heaven and then you had to leave that room and follow and go into another room where strobe lights were going, bass was going, fog was going. It was scary. You hear people screaming and it was demons and there was Satan in there and there was a chain link fence in half of the room, and they shoved you all the way against the room. And the prop was that you needed to grab the girl that was in the play. That girl that was in the play, she was amongst our group. And the demon-possessed people are trying to grab you through the chain link fence, trying to get you, but there's a fence there so they can't grab you. So I'm a 13-year-old boy like, ha, 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 you can't get me. So I'm there. So I have, uh, I'm against the fence, strobe lights are going, demons are there, they're whipping people. It was a scary environment. I'm terrified. And I have my hat on. Well, the girl that they're supposed to grab inside the group was inside of our group, and they're supposed to open up the chain link fence and grab the girl that's in the group and throw her down in front of Satan. But there was a problem. The person in the group, their indicator, their prop was, grab the person in the group with the hat on. <laughs> that was me. And I was thrown down in front of Satan. And I was terrified. I was so scared. And then a few moments later, they figured out they had the wrong kid because this kid's basically just wet himself. You have the wrong person. And I had to go. And eventually, uh, they take you into another room. A pastor presents the gospel. And they says, if you want to accept Jesus Christ, just raise your hand. Oh, my, my hand went up so, so fast. It went up so fast because I wanted to accept Jesus. But here's the thing. I didn't really accept Jesus then. And my alternative was I was either get to go to heaven or I get to go to hell. So my options were I want to go to heaven. I was a smart kid, so I'm not going to go to hell. So I, I chose heaven. But I didn't really have a relationship with Jesus Christ until I actually surrendered myself. I humbled myself. I was heading in a direction of my own life until I said, no, it's no longer about me, but it's all about him. At the church that I get to preach at, I will never walk up on that stage and tell you wisdom from me, wisdom from knowledge of what I think you should do or how I think you should act. The only way we find real truth is when we go to the word of God. That is the only thing that is true. That is the only thing that is full. It's breathed out by God, inspired by God, breathed out by God. That is the only word we can go to. So you'll never hear me as a preacher. And you get to sit underneath this pastor, the most, probably one of the best pastors I've ever met, best, best Bible teacher, pastor that you have, that he's not coming up here preaching his own thoughts or his own knowledge or what he thinks 
what he should be teaching you. He's literally preaching the word of God. And that's where we do at our church. And the thing is, is because of this verse in Isaiah 55, 8, it says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are my ways your ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts are higher than your thoughts. So my thoughts mean nothing. My ways mean nothing. It's all about bringing honor, glory, and praise to Christ. So it has nothing to do with what my think. I have wisdom, and I'm going to dispose it on you and tell you how to live. No, I'm just going to tell you what the Word of God says. It has nothing to do with me. So let me ask you this question, and you can respond here. Let me ask you this question. Do you want to know what I think? No. It doesn't matter what I think. The only thing that matters is what the word of God says, and we must be obedient to the word of God. So what I want to do to you, for you today is, Pastor Jeff said, hey, we share a little bit of who you are. So I was on a cruise ship Monday through Friday last week. That's why I look a little bit heavier if you've seen photos of me before, because they have buffet lines, and my wife and I ate pizza every single day. Why? Because we had no kids. It was amazing. But Pastor Jeff said, share a little bit of who you are. So I started off the typing. I says, I M, and I wanted to stop there. It says, it is not about me, and I'm not going to share who I am with you. I'm going to share with you who Christ is and who Christ wants to call you and how you should identify who you are. Because if you're a follower of Jesus, you're no longer a slave to sin or fear. You are a child of God. Can I share that with you today? So if you have your Bibles, go ahead and open to Psalm uh, 23 and uh, John chapter 8. And I'm going to read this and we'll, we'll go pretty quick here and we'll come back. Uh, Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd, I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pasture. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right path for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil. For you are with me. You are my rod and my staff, and they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemy. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all of my days. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Yeah, that's the word of God. That's not Dustin LaChance. That's the word of God. What I want to share with you, though, is that Christ refers to himself as the good shepherd. And I, here's the thing. You may not have sheep, and we may not understand when Jesus says he's the shepherd and you are the sheep. We may not get that, but in his times, it made a lot of sense. When he was living here on this earth, it made a lot of sense when he talked about sheep and shepherd. And I want to reveal that to you today. But when he talks about a shepherd, this is what the shepherd's responsibilities were. A good shepherd would lead and guide. That's what a shepherd did. He would lead and he would guide. He would protect and tend to the wounds. So as a wolf would come in and attack or scratches or scars or something would happen, he would take care of his sheep because he loved his sheep and the sheep knew him and the sheep followed him. It was his job to take care and protect. So he would lead, he would guide, he would protect and tend to the wounds. He would take care of their basic needs such as food and water and even he would bless his sheep. So that's what a shepherd would do. 
A shepherd that was leading his flocks. He would lead and guide. He would protect, take care of the wounds, take care of food, basic food and water. That's what a shepherd does. And Jesus refers to him as a good shepherd. Now here for me, when I shared my story, when I accepted Christ the first time, when I was terrified and I was scared, the problem was as I started to live for myself and still continue, I never had a life transformation. And then I got older and I finally realized that I needed to surrender my life to Jesus Christ, but I felt like I can never surrender at all because I have sinned too far, I have gone too far before God to bring me back. But I'm here to say today, Jesus is the God of your comeback. It doesn't matter how far you have gone, what you have done in your past, how young you are or how old you are, but there's still a plan and a purpose in your life. It doesn't matter if the things that you looked at on the internet last night, the things that you lust for, the person you lied to, the gossip that you just did. It doesn't matter if you're going through divorce or just had a divorce. You still have a purpose, and God still has a plan for you. But for me, what I needed to realize is that I needed to completely humble myself. I needed to surrender my life over to Christ. That it was no longer about what Dustin thinks is right, but it's all about what he thinks is. What is he leading? What is he saying? It's about a complete 100% surrendering and humility. You want an example of that? Look at your pastor, Jeff. Completely humbled. Completely humbled. Oh, we better get a little bit better than that today. Jesus is the best example we can honestly look at in Scripture. So if you have bought your Bible, go to John chapter 8. Jesus, the best example we can see in Scripture is to see humility of someone. You can see how Jesus was. Jesus, when he, think about this for a second. Just, just, just use your kid-like imagination right now. Jesus had no place to lay his head ever. Like, he slept on mountains. He slept in friends' houses. He never had a place that was called his own place. Even when he was born, there was no room for him in any of the hotels, the inns, the Motel 6, the Holiday Inns, the Marriott's. There was no place for him there. So his mother, his earthly mother, had to give birth to him in a manger inside of a barn and wrapped him with cloth. But he never had a place to, to lay his head. Even in, during his ministries, he would say, foxes have holes and birds of the airs have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. Jesus was absolutely, completely humbled. He didn't care about the things of the world. He didn't care about building up his own house, his own kingdom. He only cared about building up God's kingdom. His only focus was that. He was a bondservant, and he took the form of a man. That word bondservant, we've been studying it at our church Bond servant was this. In the Mosaic law in the Old Testament, when you were a slave and you were released from your master, you had an option to go back to your master if you would declare a few things. He would take you before a judge. The judge would pierce your ear and you would have to say, I love my master, I love my wife, and I love my kids, and I surrender my life for life to be a slave. But he was a bond slave, so there was a difference. He was no longer commanded to be a slave. 
He was choosing to be a slave for life. So Christ, bondser, or Paul talks about this in 1 Philippians, or 1 Philippians verses 1 and 2. He says, Paul and Timothy, bondservants of Jesus Christ. They refer to themselves as bondservants, choosing to follow Christ, surrendering their life, not feeling like out of obligation they have to serve Christ, but out of complete humility, complete humbling, bondservants of Jesus Christ. So Jesus was completely humbled. Jesus not even needed a, an amazing worship team before he went on and spoke. He didn't need a light show. He didn't need a big campus. He didn't need a, a glass box inside of a Cadillac with a glass box so nobody can come near him or touch him. You may know what I'm talking about here. The guy lives over somewhere in Italy. There's a glass box that he is. You can't get. He didn't need any of that. He didn't need an amazing pulpit. What Jesus simply did when Jesus would come in and preach, when Jesus would come in and teach, Jesus walked in and sat down. And he would teach to whoever would listen. He didn't need a marketing scheme. He didn't need Facebook promotions. He didn't need ads. He didn't need door hangers. He didn't need to have, you know, coming in on a zip line. He didn't have to do this whole big old event. He literally just walked in and would teach to whoever would want to hear it. It says this in John chapter 8, verses 1. We're going to read the story here. And it says, but when Jesus... Went to the Mount of Olives. At dawn, he appeared again in the temple courts where all the people gathered around him, and he sat down to teach them. Completely humble. It wasn't, it wasn't all about a light show. It wasn't about a big old event. Completely humble. It was free for who all would hear. That's amazing. He goes on in the story here in verse 3. He says, the teachers of the laws and the Pharisees brought a woman caught in the act of adultery. Jesus is there teaching, probably sitting on a rock, sitting there talking to people, sharing with people. But the teachers of the law and the Pharisees brought a woman caught in the act of adultery and made her stand before the group and said to Jesus, teacher, mocking basically him, calling him a teacher. They were mocking him. This woman was caught in the act of adultery and the law of Moses commanded us to stone such a woman. What do you say? See, they were using this to question him, trying to trap him, to have basis for accusing Jesus. Jesus knew what they were doing. But can let's just take a pause there just on the story here. If you guys know what adultery means and what was happening there, adultery involved what? Two people. But only one was there. The guy always gets away scot-free, right, ladies? Never has to deal with anything. Guy got away again. Where was the guy? Where was the guy in the story? If it was two there, and it said they were caught in the very act. Don't go there with your imagination, but two were doing something, and only one was taken, and one was brought before Jesus. Why? Now, here's another question. Why even bring the woman to Jesus? Jesus was no judge. What was the purpose of bringing the woman to Jesus? Jesus couldn't do anything because this is the thing. They had, they had no agenda for, for having justice be done with this woman. They had nothing. All they wanted to do was try to trap Jesus, and Jesus knew it. Jesus was God. I mean, come on now. Like, Jesus knew exactly what was happening here. So what did Jesus do? Jesus bent down and started to write in the ground with his finger. 
And they kept questioning him. And he straightened up and said to them, Let any one of you who is without sin be the first one to stone her. And again, he stepped back down and wrote in the ground. Isn't that funny, though? Like, just, just, you see this woman, because her sin was publicly exposed. It's easy to point fingers like, get that person. That person's sinning. But, you know, for a lot of us that may have sin in our life, that are behind closed doors. It's easiest for us to point fingers at other people instead of looking at the own sin in our own life. But we like to expose everyone else. Can you, can you just, just take this for a moment? Think about the woman, though. Put yourself in her shoes. She was just caught in the act of adultery, and now she's brought before the Son of God. She's got to be terrified. She has to be frightened. She has to be scared, not knowing what's going to happen here, has no clue what's going to go on here. Could you just put yourself there? Think about the moment that you may just had a sin, a call, you did something in your life, and you were seized in that very act, and you were thrown before Jesus, how you would feel. Terrifying. What was Jesus writing, though? When Jesus got down, what was he writing? No, we don't know. I mean, it doesn't say it anywhere, so we can't say exactly what it was. But some scholars will say that Jesus was writing what it says in Jeremiah um, 17. It says in Jeremiah 17, For those who depart from me shall be written in the earth because they have forsaken the Lord. Now, that's one. I like what this other scholar said. This other scholar said that, that Jesus would get down and he started writing in the dirt, and he was writing out the sins of the people that were in front of him, and writing out the sins and then drawing arrows to them. I like that one. I think that one's pretty awesome. But we don't know any of them. We don't know which one is if what he was writing, but Jesus, that's what Jesus was doing. But what did they do? How did they respond? So Jesus just said that to them, and in verse 9 he says, At this, those who have heard and began to go away one at a time, older ones first, until only Jesus was left with the woman still standing there. Jesus straightened back up and asked her, woman? I don't know if he said woman like that. I kind of want to feel like how Jesus talked. Woman? Or was it like woman? I don't know. It doesn't really matter. Woman, where are they now? Has no one condemned you? She replies, no, sir. Indication, she didn't know who Jesus was at this time, so no clue. No, sir. Then he says, neither do I condemn you. But this is key. If you have the scripture in your hands, circle this, write it down, write it on your neighbor's forehead, do whatever you need to do with this. But it says, Jesus declares, go and leave your life of sin. Now, here's the thing that we need to get just out of that little bit of scripture right there. Forgiveness does not imply a license to continue to keep on sinning. Jesus did not condemn her, but he commanded her to leave her life of sin. He commanded a transformation of her life, of a turning from one way she was heading to leave it. Jesus did not treat sin lightly. But what Jesus did is that Jesus gives an opportunity for sinners to have a new life. Why? Because all sin is equal in the eyes of God. doesn't matter if you do it behind closed doors or it's out, out exposed in front of people. All sin is equal. So us as Christians need to stop calling out other people's sin until we start looking at our own sins. Because all sin is equal. 
But here's the thing. If you are a follower of Jesus, if you are a bondservant of Jesus Christ, you have surrendered your life over to him. You have transformed. You're no longer who you once were. It's no longer about you. Your past and the things that you may say who you are, if you're a follower of Jesus, you may say that I'm this, I'm this, I'm a divorcee, I'm whatever it is. Your past does not define who you are if you are a child of God. I preach this because every time I'll share a message like this, I'll get people telling me, is like, you spoke to me, and I know there's somebody in here that says, I know, I call myself this or this or this, and I says, you are not that. If you have surrendered your life to Jesus Christ, and you are a bondservant, and you are obediently following him, you are a saint, you are God's chosen people, you are called by God and for God, so you are no longer a slave to your sin. You're no longer a slave to fear. You are a child of God. So here's what we need to stop calling ourselves. We need to stop saying these things about us. If you're a follower of Jesus in here, you need to stop saying things like, I'm not smart enough, I'm not good enough, I'm a disappointment, I'm angry, I'm depressed, I'm unworthy, I am unqualified, I'm unloved, I'm ugly, I'm too far gone, I'm a bad parent, I'm unfaithful, I'm a screw-up, I'm anxious, I'm controlling, I'm fearful, I'm hated, I am weak. You need to stop saying those kind of things about yourself. Because that's not who you are and that's not what Jesus calls you. You have a new identity in Jesus Christ now. That's not who you are. And you know what Jesus, how he refers to himself? Seven different times in the book of John, Jesus refers to himself. And when he wrote, I am, he would say, I am this. And Jesus says seven different times. In John chapter 8, Jesus says, I am the light of the world. I am the light of the world. And whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have light of life. So if you're a follower of Jesus, you'll never walk in darkness. Why? Because Jesus is the light of the world. Jesus says in John chapter 10, he says, I am the gate for my sheep. It says in verse 7, therefore, Jesus said again, very truly, I tell you, I am the gate for my sheep. All who have come before me are thieves and robbers, but the true sheep have not listened to them. I am the gate. And whoever enters through me will be saved, and they will come and go freely and find good pastures. You don't have this in your notes here, but in verse 10, it continues to go on, and you know this part. The thief only comes to steal, kill, and what? And I have come so you may have life and have it to the full. I am the good shepherd. Jesus, going back to Psalm 23 here, I am the good shepherd, and he is the gate for his sheep. I am the good shepherd, and the good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. A hired hand is not the shepherd, and it is not own his sheep. So when he sees the wolves coming, he abandons the sheep and he runs away. Then the wolf attacks and the, the wolf attacks and scatters the flock and the man runs away because he is the hired hand because he cares nothing for the sheep. But Jesus said in verse 14, I am the good shepherd and I know my sheep and they know me. Just as my father knows me, I know the father and I lay my life down for my sheep. I have other sheep, and they're not in the sheep pen. What he means here is Jews and Gentiles. Here's what he's talking about. He's talking about us here. I must bring them along also. They will listen to my voice. Side note, sheep are really dumb animals, but they would eventually learn their shepherd's voice, and they would follow, and they would hear their shepherd's voice, and they learn. And he says, there shall be one flock, one shepherd. What's that mean? One church, one God. That is it. 
The reason my father loves me is that I lay down my life only to take it back up again. Now, here's the thing. Men, that picture that we talk about, that we, this is who Jesus is to a lot of us, this picture of this, this lovely, nicely shaved, walking with a lamb and a staff, completely clean, haircut, looking amazing, looking good, this picture that we romanticize about Jesus. Jesus was bold. Jesus was strong. Jesus was tough. Jesus walked in on Main Street. No one took the life of Jesus. Jesus laid it down voluntarily because he says here, no one takes it from me, but I lay it down on my own accord. I have the authority to lay it down, and I have the authority to take it back up again. This command has been received from my Father. Jesus was tough. I, I, I can't stand it when I see men saying, I'm not, I, I don't do religion, I don't do this Jesus thing. You like The Rock? You like The Hulk? You like any of these other tough characters? Jesus was tougher than all of them. He wasn't fearful for anything. He wasn't scared. He walked in on Main Street in broad daylight. He didn't run. He didn't cry. He owned it. He knew it was at hand. That's a man that I can follow. Someone that's bold. He says, I am the resurrection and the life. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. And no one, the one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives in me by believing in me will never die. Number five is, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus answered, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to me except through, no one comes to the Father except through me. So once again, he's going back to the sheep pen. The sheep pen, he was physically the gate for the sheep. He would call his sheep in. A shepherd would call his sheep into the sheep pen at night, call them by name, bring them in, into the sheep pen, and their wolves would attack, kind of go over the side walls. But the shepherd's job was to watch after the flock. The shepherd would not own the sheep because shepherds didn't have any money. They were the lowest on the, the social scale. They were the lowest person on the... The, the, the job ranking here, and they would be a shepherd. They have to stay the night and actually physically become the gate for the sheep. So Jesus is saying, I am the gate for the sheep. You can come and go and go freely, but I am the gate. And no one can come through that gate unless they go through me. And if you want what's in there, you got to go through me. So Jesus says, I am the gate if you want to get into the Father. He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus answered, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to me except through the Father. I am the way, I am the true vine. In John 15, 1, he says, I am the true vine. I am the true vine. The Father is the gardener, and he cuts off every branch in me that does not bear fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit he prunes. Nobody likes the pruning process. So that he will be even more fruitful. You have already been clean because of the word I have spoken to. Remain in me as I remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Have you ever seen a dead branch grow? If you have, bring it to me. I'd be very interested to see that. You must remain in the branch. You must remain in the vine. The branches, you are the branch, I am the vine. You must remain in it. Neither can it bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine. You and me are the branches. And if you remain in me, I in you, you will bear much fruit. But apart from me, you can do what? Nothing. We got to stay with it. We got to be in the Word of God daily. We have to be on our knees praying to God daily. 
It's a daily surrender. Not a once, a daily surrender to Christ. And the final one, he says, I am the bread of life. Jesus declares, I am the bread of life. And whoever comes to me will go, will never go hungry. And whoever believes in me will never go thirsty. So it all goes back to Psalm 23. He takes care, he leads, he guides, he tends to the needs. He takes care of the food, basic needs of food and water. And he even blesses his sheep. So Jesus says, this is who Jesus says he is. He says, I am the bread of life. I am the true vine. I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am the resurrection and the life. I am the gate for the sheep, and I am the light of the world. So if you are a follower of Jesus in this room and you have surrendered your life over to him, you are no longer defined by your past. You are no longer of what you say you once were. You are a child of God, and I'm giving you a new identity today of telling you, no longer say that you're a druggie, because if you have surrendered your life over to him, you are no longer once what your past were. Your new identity is this, I am a child of God. I am saved by grace. I am saved by grace through faith. I am chosen by God. I am a follower of Jesus Christ. I am the hands and feet of Jesus. I am the son and daughter of God. I am a part of a royal priesthood. I belong to a great cloud of witnesses. I am chosen. I am adopted. I am beloved. I am rescued. I am redeemed. I am free. This is who you are. You guys did better than Saturday night and HD service. That's who we are. We are no longer what our past wants to find us. You are chosen. You are adopted. You are beloved. You are rescued. You are redeemed. You are free. So stop thinking you can't do something. Stop thinking, well, when I get qualified or when I'm ready or when I learn enough, God has already qualified you. God has already chosen you. He's already selected you, and he has a purpose for your life. Doesn't matter the age. My father-in-law just started a church. He's almost 70 years old. Just started a church down in Leoman community. Doesn't matter the age. Death has already been conquered. We live in victory now, and you are no longer a slave to your sin because you are a child of God. But Jesus wants to be the shepherd of your life. If you have Psalm 23, let's close with this. In Psalm 23, if you have it, I want you to circle a couple things here. It says in Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd, I lack nothing. Circle this. He makes me lie down in green pasture. He makes me, circle, he makes me, not ask me, not force, he makes me lie down in green pasture. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me. He guides me along the right path for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil. Why? Because you are with me. You are my rod and my staff, and they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemy. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all of my days, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. So recap, he leads me. 
He makes me. He guides me. He protects me. He loves me. And he blesses me. Let's make it a little more personal. He makes you. He loves you. He guides you. He protects you. He loves you. And he blesses you. So why not make him the shepherd of your life? You guys are truly blessed by having an amazing shepherd of your church here. You have a shepherd that literally lays down everything for you. You have no idea how many arrows and things he takes to try to push you and grow you in your faith. And my job today was not to convert you, to change you, to make you think another way. My job today was for me to just say, you know what? This is what Christ is and who he says he is. And he wants to lead you, guide you, protect you. He'll never leave you nor forsake you. But what you need to do is that you need to surrender and be completely humble. Can I pray with you? Father, we come to you today, and oh my gosh, Father, I'm just in such awe of you. Father, as you sit on your throne right now, looking down on this church, looking at the hearts of the souls of the people that are in here, your people, the people you have chosen, Father, you know their hearts, you know where they're at. Holy Spirit, change hearts. Father, I surrendered my life over to you. I surrender my tongue over to you. It is yours to use. If you're in this room here today and you've never accepted Jesus Christ, I never leave the stage without presenting an opportunity. If you're in here today and you've never accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, Repeat this prayer after me. And the prayer absolutely means nothing unless you believe it and you make it personal and you surrender your life. You're not a slave. You're choosing to be a bond servant. So say this prayer with me. Father God, I come to you today asking for forgiveness. I've been living for myself. I've been living selfishly. And today I repent. I believe that you sent your son to die on a cross, and three days later, he rose again. I believe that you did this for me. So from this day forward, Father, I'm going to live for you and you alone. I know that I'm no longer a slave to sin because I know that I'm a child of you. I love you. And in your son's name I pray. And the church said, amen. All right. Thank you, bud. All right. Well, as we close today, you know, I just still appreciate Dustin sharing with you just from his heart, but also just a biblical foundational look. It's what we've been talking about with Genesis. Um, you know, when we think about who, who God is, he created us in his image. Sin deformed us, Christ recreated us, new creation. Who Christ is, how you identify yourself. You don't identify yourself with who you were, but who he is. I mean, just, just fantastic for you to understand and for all of us to see what those things mean. But it's exciting. Obviously, anytime, I always look at a message, you know. It's one thing to, 
get everybody excited. But the other thing is, what did they learn when they were here? And uh, sometimes you get a lot of people get all excited, but you ask, well, what do you know about God you didn't know before you came today? Well, I don't know, but I'm excited. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? But I always ask the question, what did, what did we learn? We learned that, that we're to see ourselves in, in the one who, who recreated us, which is pretty exciting to think on. So anyway, well, God bless you guys. Thank you for coming, Dustin. Thank you so much for sharing with us today. Hey, here's what's going to happen. Um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, uh, to ask Tom. Come on up, Tom. Tom's going to close us in prayer. Everybody go ahead and stand. Everybody stand. And uh, I promise if you don't stand, I'll just start picking up and, 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 and uh, sharing more. But uh, I'm going to head to the guest reception. reception. Uh, also, Sarah will be there. I forgot to introduce her to y'all. Did you do that? All right. This is Sarah. She, uh, this is his wife. She'll be back there with us. And Bill, you'll go back there. Won't you go back with us too? And, uh, and so if you want to stop by, please stop by. This is everybody now. Most of the time, the guest reception, I just have you come by if you're a guest. But anybody who'd like to stop by and say something, uh, you can stop into the guest reception. We'll open all the doors. Y'all come in as you would like to. All right. But God bless you guys. And uh, looking forward to the, to the coming months and what God may be in. And uh, again, we'll, uh, we'll give him the glory and the praise for it. All right, Tom, why don't you come close us, and, uh, and, uh, and then we'll be dismissed. All right? Amen. Thank you. And aren't you glad you came to church today? Amen. Amen. Again, if you want to meet Dustin or Jeff, please go to the guest reception right out the door here to the right. If the Lord worked in your heart in some way through Pastor Dustin's message, there'll be some people down front that you could talk with and pray with, so please do that. Or if you'd like to get connected here at church into one of our small groups, Right out the door and to the left, there's some great volunteers in the Connection Center that would love to help you get into a small community so you can continue to journey with other people. Amen. Let's pray together. Father God, we love you so much. We thank you for your word and how it was exposed to us today. We thank you for your spirit that helps us to understand it. We thank you for who you are and how you want us to know how much you love us and are here for us and can transform us and guide us and bless us and give us everything we need for this life to live as we were created to live. We love you, God, so much. And thank you for our church and for what you're doing here and for what you're doing at Mission City. Your will be done, God. We love you and go with us in grace. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. We'll see you soon.